0: Before reaching the city limit sign entering the small town of Paonia, Colorado, you can smell the irrigated grass waiting to get chomped by cows. A handful of produce booths line the highway manned by young, enterprising farmers. Paonia is bisected by the Gunnison River, paralleling Highway 133. The West Elk Mountains loom 5,000 feet above a mosaic of houses, orchards, and ranches. Across the Gunnison, on the most western irrigation ditch, and below a carpet of sagebrush, Was a man named Jack Perrin, with his wife Michelle and daughter Sylvia. To get to his hillside land, you pass decrepit trailers and any number of trucks on cinder blocks. Slowly creeping up Jack's gravel driveway, it initially looks like the makings for a 1970s hippie commune. Teepees polka dot his field, an outdoor kitchen with ceramic bowls, and an awning connect to a 15 by 20 foot straw bale house. Then Jack appears, and he looks like your quintessential ninth grade science teacher khakis, a brimmed hat, and a synthetic t-shirt. Jack moved to Paonia with his best friend from college, Dev. At the time, neither had ties to ranching nor to environmental activism. Having traveled the world teaching and adventuring, Jack and Dev were ready to root themselves in a community, but the two stood out within the uber conservative ranching town. What they found was that the town didn't consider someone a local until their family had lived there for several generations.
1: Uh, people were kind of confused about us. They thought that we were Um, either trust funders or we're growing pot. I mean, that was kind of like, that's probably the most glamorous rumor I ever had about me, that I was, you know, a gay pot grower, you know, (laughs) living off my parents' wealth or something like that.
0: In reality, Jack was living the only way he knew how, what he refers to as living low on the food chain. Jack and Dev spent much of their 20s and 30s scouring thrown out goods and foraging for produce. The community caught on to Jack and Dev's enthusiasm for a life lived simply. Because both men worked as teachers in alternative education, they lived as cheaply as possible out of necessity, like any broke college student would. This conflicted with Peonia's initial impression of the two men and perplexed the community even further.
1: Because you guys hardly are ever working. Like, you, know, you drive these rundown cars, um, you're always like, we always see that you're like tearing down some buildings for kind of like dumpster diving for materials and yet you always seem to be having a good time and we li- were living pretty low on the food chain um, and it was, it was pretty natural to us
0: um, and it was, it, was, it was, we were having a good time doing it. Jack and Dev saw this lifestyle as fun. They turned it into a game and had a blast. They saw it as a challenge to the mainstream list mentality of environmentalism.
1: Those lists that you get, you know, like the Environmental Defense Fund or CR Club or whatever, they'll say like 10 things you can do to stop global warming. Or, I mean, there was just kind of that list mentality. And I think it's pretty well played out that those, that kind of list mentality of things that you should do just don't, they don't work on a big scale.
0: Jack believes that the moralistic tone of being green makes people feel bad. And instead, he and Dev came up with a divergent path, settling far away from any lists or static approaches to environmentalism. But also, he wanted to know.
1: Can we make a positive con- contribution to this challenge? Could we um, start working with people and uh, just help grow people who were you know, living really low in the food chain but having a gas doing it? Uh, And so about seven years ago, we started this thing called the High Desert Center, and we began um, just by taking small groups of um, people anywhere from 18 to 25 years old and just going out and having adventures together. Um, One year we built uh, a straw bale house for a family. Um, Another year we um, decided that it would be really um, good to learn permaculture.
0: These activities are just the tip of the iceberg for Jack. This past summer, word on the street was that the CSAs, community-supported agriculture, were in desperate need of labor. So Jack and the high desert center spent four days a week providing labor to farms in the valley. In another case, Jack employed his favorite strategy by knocking on the door of a neighbor who needed help. They hung in tillation for the next two days, not asking for pay, but bartering to compensate for their time. Jack and Dev use this form of trade frequently implementing it as a tool to aid people who might not otherwise be able to afford the labor.
1: What was really missing is just talking to people almost, um, and I, I don't want to get all like touchy-feely here, but I mean really talk to the, to a person in a, in a gentle and t- talk to that to in an intimate way to somebody and say, you know, what is it that you really care about most? I mean, what, is it, what are your fears and hopes and, and dreams for the future? And when you look at your own life, how do you see, like, what do you see that's in the way of getting to live in such a way that you feel like, you know, today I did things that, that I really feel like lined up with my values, and today's going to be one of those days where I'm going to look back in my journal and say, that was one of the best days I had.
0: This is how Jack relates his form of environmental outreach to a greater audience. His tone is perpetually that of a father calming down his newborn baby. He believes that nine-tenths of the population can live this way, maybe without the permaculture and the teepees, though. He gives the example of the suburban housewife outside of Seattle, who's just trying to get through the day, let alone worry about being green.
1: Hey, she's just trying to, like, you know, get dinner on the table and keep the kids from melting down. Maybe what she needs is more support. All right. Maybe she needs to be surrounded by like, a community of people who are like, I'll take your kids. I've got two kids this week anyway. I'd love to have your kids there this week. Then they can play with each other. Or somebody else who's like, oh, well, you know, there's no reason why you guys should start your own garden here. We're doing a garden at our house. Why don't you just come and help us?
0: A simple solution, like a neighbor helping out a stressed mother by watching her kids or driving them to school, is an accidental form of environmentalism. This small action gets at a widespread shift in thinking. It cuts driving in half and gives the mother time to breathe. A community, even in the depths of the suburbs, can emerge as a support network. The mother clears her conscience about driving and clears her schedule to do what best embodies her values. This action proves you don't need to be a back-to-the-land hippie to improve somebody's day. It creates a strong environmental ethic in a community. After all, the core of Jack's goal is about having a great time while living out our values. So why not lend a hand? For National Public Lands Radio, I'm Oliver Wood.